Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. We're glad you're here with us at Alliance. Um, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you know that we are kind of in the middle of a series that we're calling Get Ready. And what we're doing is we're kind of spending the summer looking at the book of 1 Thessalonians, and we're probably going to keep going and looking at the book of 2 Thessalonians because we see a lot of things that can help us as followers of Jesus to get ready for the things that God is going to ask us to do in our lives. And so that's what we've been kind of spending our time doing these last few weeks um, as we've kind of worked our way through the book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, and the reality is, is that as we look at these things, we're finding out a lot of important things about our lives, but also a lot of important things about the people that Paul was writing these letters to. Paul was writing to a group of people that were kind of new believers, that were trying to figure out how to do this thing called Christianity, how to live out their faith. And what's great is that we can just kind of take those same ideas and apply them to our lives as well. So that's kind of what we've been doing. And what Paul is really trying to do is trying to help the Thessalonians figure out how to live for Jesus, how to live out their faith. And, And if you think about it, we're all living for something. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian, then hopefully you're trying to live your life for Jesus. The reality is that many times in our lives we face challenges, we get distracted, things come up along the way where we find ourselves not necessarily living for Jesus all the time, maybe sometimes, but sometimes we find ourselves living for other things. And sometimes those things, they're not bad things, but they're things that are a distraction from the things that really matter. And then there are other times where we even say that we live for things that are just downright ridiculous and silly and stupid, that we would actually live for these things. Like, I've, not I've said, but I've said, or maybe some of you have said something to the effect of, I live for a particular TV show. I live for This Is Us on on NBC. Oh my gosh, I live for that. I live for that one hour every week where I sit down with my box of tissues and cry for an hour straight. It's the best hour of my week. Now, this isn't me speaking. Let me just say that real quick. I don't watch This Is Us. In fact, I just had to ask Christine, what night is that show on? I couldn't even remember. So, but some of you live for a particular TV show. You look forward to it so much. Some of you live for chocolate cake. Oh my gosh. Like if I had a piece of chocolate cake with really nice chocolate frosting on the top, I, oh my gosh, I would kill somebody for a piece of chocolate cake right now. I live for chocolate cake. Some of you live for your favorite team or for your alma mater, or for that team that you follow every single day. You, you, you say things like that. You say things like, well, I can't wait for the game on Saturday or on Sunday. I live for those types of things. And while those things are fun, those things are interesting, those aren't the things that we should truly be living for. And that's what Paul is trying to get at whenever he's talking to the people in the book of Thessalonians. And what we're going to look at this morning is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to see Paul trying to help the Thessalonians figure out what it is that they should be living for. And so if, you're, if you have a Bible, you can open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You can follow along with us on the YouVersion app. You can follow along on the screen. But while you're turning there, let's talk about what's going on in the, in the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4. The first three, the first three chapters of 1 Thessalonians... Paul spends a lot of time celebrating with the Thessalonians. He's celebrating. He's, he's telling them how great they're doing at certain things. He's encouraging them. He's, he's cheering them on as they, do some certain things, as they do certain things really, really well. And then we get to chapter 4, and the tone kind of changes a little bit. 
Paul goes from celebrating with them to beginning to instruct them, beginning to teach them a little bit more about how to continue to grow in their faith. Because like we said, we all live for something, right? And there are certain indicators that tell us what it is that we value and what it is that we live for. I think the two biggest indicators that tell us what we live for are our time and our money. Where we spend our time and where we spend our money are going to tell us what it is that we truly value. What it is that's really, really important to us deep down inside. And Paul saw some things going on with the people in the book of Thessalonians. Some things that concerned him a little bit, some things that he wanted to celebrate with them, but things that needed to be addressed in their lives so that they could take the next step in their faith. One of our core values here at Alliance is that we want to be a group of people that takes next steps. That ta- we all have a next step to take in our faith. And Paul wanted the people in the book of Thessalonians, and God wants us to continue to take the next step in our faith. For some of you, that might be the very first step in your faith. That might be picking up a Bible and figuring out if you even believe what it says. For others of you, it might mean, I've been a follower of Jesus for 50 years, and now I need to do something more. God is asking me for something different in this season of my life. No matter where you are, no matter what you think or what you believe, we all have a next step when it comes to our faith. And that's what Paul wanted to see the Thessalonians take. And so that's kind of what he's talking about when he gets to to chapter 4. And in chapter 4, he kind of starts off by, again, encouraging them and telling them how great they're doing, but also kind of helping them to figure out how they can continue to grow. So let's look, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, just the first two verses. Here's how Paul kind of sets this up. He says this, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. You live this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Look at, Paul, look at what Paul says. This, you do this already. You're already doing this. But I want you to do so even more. Even more. There's always a next step. There's always something else. There's always somewhere else that God wants us to go. Something else that God wants us to do. And so that's what I want us to talk about this morning is that we want to get ready to be able to live our lives for God, to be able to take that next step in our faith journey. So for the rest of chapter 4, Paul spends some time talking about three big areas where we can take the next step, where we can continue to live for God and get ready to live out the next thing that God is asking us to do in our lives. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at three different areas that Paul talks about how we can live for God. The first one. First one is this, is that we can live for God (coughs) with self-control. We can live for God with self-control. Let's pick it up in verse 3. We're going to read verses 3 through 8. Here's what it says. God's will for you is to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife, for the Lord avenges all such sins, as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Surprise, we're going to talk about sex. Everybody ready? This is always fun and awkward and very, especially from my point of view, from my perspective, as I look out over you and some of your jaws have dropped, but here's the deal. We're going to talk about lust, all right, because it's 
and here's the thing. Paul doesn't just put this in here for shock value. Paul doesn't just drop these verses in here just to say, oh, let me try to wake them up and let's talk about lust and sex and those types of things. Paul writes these verses for a very specific reason. If you understand the context, if you understand the culture of, what, of the people that Paul is writing to, the city of Thessalonica at that time and some of the other cities around it were considered very immoral cities. Very immoral cities. Kind of like today's Las Vegas, let's say. All right? And when you were in Thessalonica, all the rules went out the window. And you did whatever you wanted to please yourself. Whatever felt good, you did it. Whatever you wanted to do, you did it. Whatever made you, whatever pleased you, you did it. And so living with self-control in the city of Thessalonica at this time when Paul writes this letter would be very challenging. And today in our world, it is still very challenging for us to live with self-control. For us to live with control, to be able to to handle the the temptation that surrounds us all the time. So again, Paul doesn't just drop these verses in to wake up somebody that's reading a letter. He does it because there's specific things that the Thessalonians are facing in their city at that time. So you've got this group of young Christians that are trying to figure out how to live for God. And Paul isn't just trying to ruin their fun. Paul isn't just trying to kill their buzz or just trying to tell them, hey, Don't do all those things that are surrounding you. He's doing it for a reason. He's doing it because those things are a distraction. Those things keep us from living out the things that are really, truly important to us. To live for God. And so, he goes on, starting in verse 4. He kind of starts off this section by saying that each one of you will control his own body. Each one of you will control his own body. If you translate that from the Greek... The Greek of those words is literally to possess your own vessel. To possess your own vessel. So Paul is giving them like a a boat analogy here, or like a ship kind of picture of what this is supposed to look like. So Paul is basically saying, your job is to possess your own vessel. So when your vessel is in the harbor, and you're looking out at all the other vessels, and some of those vessels look really nice, and you want to kind of go over to those vessels, or that vessel is doing something that I want to do, and I want to go over to that vessel— Paul is saying, no, your job is to possess and to control your own vessel. That's your job. And then he goes on in verse 4 and he says, when you do that, you do that with holiness and with honor. Holiness and honor. Holiness because it makes us closer to God. It makes us become more and more like Jesus. That we grow in our holiness. But also that we grow in our honor. Honoring God and honoring other people as well honoring other people. That's a big part of this whenever, this whole idea whenever we talk about lust. Because Paul goes on in verse 5 and in verse 6, he says you should avoid lust. You should avoid lustful passions. And then he actually says in verse 6, you should avoid it because you don't want to violate your brother's wife. Like, here's the thing about lust that we need to understand. When it, the things that we think about whenever we're tempted, lust is a very selfish sin, isn't it? Lust is a very selfish sin. Lust only takes into consideration what I want. And the things that I'm looking at, the people that I'm looking at, the things that are going on around me, those all just become objects that help me get what I want. It's not about other people. It's about me. And so lust becomes a very selfish sin. And that's what makes it so dangerous because lust doesn't just hurt us. Verse 6 tells us it also hurts our relationships. It hurts other people 
as well. And so Paul wants us to avoid this at all costs. In fact, he kind of wraps up verses 7 and 8 by talking about that. By giving such a stern warning about the consequences of what happens whenever we fall into temptation, whenever we give in to lust. There's big, important consequences whenever we do this, whenever we allow our minds and our thoughts and our actions to take us to places where we shouldn't go. And so this area was important for the Thessalonians. This wasn't just some random teaching that Paul drops in. It was important to the Thessalonians. It's important to us because we live in a culture where it's easy to let temptation get the best of us. And so we need to take steps to be able to possess our own vessel, to be able to control ourselves, to be able to make sure that we are exhibiting and using self-control in the decisions that we make every single day. How do we do that? How do we take those kinds of steps to think, to, to process what we're thinking and what we're seeing and what we're doing? I believe we can do that whenever we're connected. Whenever we're connected to God, whenever the Holy Spirit is helping guide us through the temptations that we face. I believe that, when, uh, I believe that helps whenever we're connected to other people. People that we trust, people that we know, people that we can be open and honest with about some of the things that we're thinking and seeing and acting on. I believe it helps us whenever we actually process and think about the consequences of our sin, the consequences of lust. Hopefully, if we can process and think about those consequences before we act on temptation, it will help us not act on it in the first place. Because the reality is we're all going to be tempted. Temptation isn't necessarily the sin here. Lust is the sin. You're going to be tempted. What we do with that temptation is what's important. And so we have to think about the consequences of what we're doing whenever we give in to that temptation. And so we have to be able to take steps this week to be able to possess our own vessel. What can you do to possess your own vessel, to help control your thoughts, to help control your mind, to help control your actions? Who can you talk to? Who can you be open and honest with? Who can pray for you this week so that we can all do a better job of controlling and exhibiting self-control? So that's the first thing that, that Paul talks about. And I find it very interesting that Pastor Ron decides to take a vacation on the week that we get to talk about lust. So he had that plan. Don't even let him fool you. Like that, we had this whole thing mapped out for like the whole summer, and he just, boop, I didn't, he didn't throw a dart at a dartboard. He picked this week. So here's, so, but this is a big, important area in our lives, isn't it? It's something that we all have some kind of issue or struggle with, or at least we face temptation. Some of us deal with it differently than others. But it's a reality for all of us. And so we need to take the steps that we can take to possess our own vessel. Second thing, and it's going to get a lot lighter here, I promise, all right? The second thing that Paul talks about is this. He says that we can live for God with how we love. We can live for God with how we love. Let's keep reading. Verses 9 and 10. Paul says this, But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. Listen, this was an area where the Thessalonians were succeeding. They were doing really well here. They, they got this. They got this big idea of loving other people well. In fact, they didn't just love the people in their own city. Their love extended outside of their city walls throughout Macedonia. 
So here's a group of people that weren't just loving the people right around them well. They were loving people outside of their own community well. And that's a good example for us. And so Paul understood that, hey, you guys are doing well here. But here's the thing. Paul did not want them to grow comfortable. Paul didn't want them to get too comfortable with how they loved each other. I think Jason talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I agree. I think one of the most dangerous things for a church is to become too comfortable. One of the most dangerous things for a follower of Christ is to become too comfortable. When we become too comfortable, we lose our fire. We lose our passion. We lose our effectiveness to be able to follow God and do the things that he is asking us to do. And Paul did not want to see that happen with this group of people in Thessalonica. And so he wanted to make sure that they understood that that settling, just settling and being complacent and being comfortable wasn't going to be enough. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the most comfortable spot in your house. Like the place that you go to to kick back and relax. I want you to kind of picture yourself in that place, all right? For me, it's our couch. We have like this chaise lounge thing on the end of our couch, and we fight over that thing at my house. I mean, we fight over it. It's the most comfortable spot in the house. It's directly under the ceiling fan, so you can turn that fan on and have a nice cool breeze. It's got like a little tray sitting right here. I could put my drink and my snacks there. It's the perfect angle to see the TV when I'm laying down. I mean, it's the spot in our house, and we battle over that spot every day. Who gets to sit there? And you could spend hours sitting and laying in that spot, and you could get way too comfortable. I know that because I've done it. I have spent way too much time in that spot. And while I'm laying there being a little too comfortable, the grass outside is still growing. And while I'm laying there being a little too comfortable, the trees at our house need trimmed, and the weeds need pulled, and stuff needs to get done that I'm not doing. Because I've just gotten a little too comfortable. Now, don't misunderstand me. We all need rest. We need regular rest. But the the danger is, is that sometimes regular rest can make us a little too complacent, can make us a little too comfortable. And we have to push ourselves and challenge ourselves to, to do a little more. If you think about it, it's easy for us to become too comfortable in how we love other people, isn't it? It's easy for me to love the people that I like. It's easy for me to love the people that are right around me all the time, that I agree with on everything, that are just like me. That's easy for me to love those people. It's challenging for me to love people outside of that circle, outside of my city walls, and into the region around me. People that don't look like me, people that don't talk like me, people that don't believe the same things as me. It becomes a little more challenging to love those people, isn't it? But that's what Paul wanted to see from the Thessalonians. And I believe that's what God wants to see from us. Verse verse 11, I believe it is. No, verse 10, I'm sorry. He says, even so, even so. He's like, listen, I know that you do this well. Even so, we urge you to do so even more. Even more. How do we love even more? How do we love people that are outside of our own city walls even more? I think in the first three chapters that we've been studying these last few weeks, 
Paul gives a lot of ways and examples of, of how we can love even more. Last week in chapter 3, Pastor Ron talked about encouraging each other. And that whenever we encourage each other, that develops loving, trustful relationships. And our love grows even more. Two weeks ago, Jason talked about the idea of when, when we as believers go through persecution together, or trials together, or suffering together, and whenever we go through difficult times together, when we're willing to walk alongside each other and help each other through some of the most difficult times in our lives, our love for each other grows, and we love even more. Chapter 2 talks about being able to show our gratitude to each other. And that whenever we show our gratitude to each other, whenever I show my gratitude to you and you feel appreciated, and then you begin to show gratitude to other people, our love for each other grows even more. And then even last week at the end of chapter 3, the benediction that Pastor Ron read over us as we walked out of the room last Sunday morning, that Paul basically said that our love should overflow. Our love should overflow. It's not enough just to have some love. But our love should overflow to the point where we are making a mess. We are leaking and, 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 just, and just splashing love all over the place to the people around us. So how can we love even more? Listen, I've been a part of this church for, oh my gosh, six, almost 16 years now. I've been a part of this church for like 16 years. And over that time, I have seen time and time and time again where this church has loved well where we have walked through difficult times together and we have loved well we've go, we've walked through really great times together where we have loved well and i believe that we are a church and a group of people that love well but we can always love more we can always love more let us not become too comfortable with loving well but let us strive to love more that's what Paul wanted to see from the Thessalonians. I believe that's what God wants to see from us in order to live our lives for God. And then the third thing that Paul talks about at the end of the chapter, verses 11 and 12, is that we can live for God with what we do. We can live for God with what we do. Look at verses 11 and 12 again. It says this. Make it your goal to live a quiet life minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others. Again, Paul doesn't write this by accident. There's a reason why Paul is writing these words to the, to the church in Thessalonica, why this is an important message for them, and I believe why it's an important message for us. Paul starts off, and he says, Make it your goal. Make it your goal. This should be a priority for you. And what should the goal be? The goal should be to, to, to live quiet lives, to mind your own business, to work with your hands. And then he says, just as we instructed you before. So this isn't the first time that Paul has talked to the Thessalonians about this topic. And honestly, it won't be the last time that he talks to them either. If you skip ahead to the book of 2 Thessalonians, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul says this, Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in other people's business. This was an issue for the Thessalonians. This was a problem that Paul had to address with them at least three times. So what's, what's the problem? What's going on here? Why are they struggling with this so much? Again, if you go back to the culture and the context and what's happening in these verses, you understand some things. Number one, 
Some of these people, and this is kind of referenced in the, the verse I just read from 2 Thessalonians, some of these people believe that Jesus was literally going to return like the next week or that month. And so in their minds, they thought, well, what's the point in working then? So they quit their jobs, they stopped doing everything, and when they stopped doing everything, they got bored. And when they got bored, they started messing around in other people's business, places where they shouldn't have been. The other factor that's at play here that, that Paul's kind of talking about in the verses that we read from this chapter is this. The city of Thessalonica was a relatively wealthy city. And so there were probably some relatively wealthy people that were part of the church. And in that day and age, if you were a relatively wealthy person, that meant that you had slaves. And those slaves did all of your manual labor for you. They did all your hard work for you. And so some of these people would have had a little extra time on their hands. And what, what did they do with that little extra time on their hands? They started messing around in other people's business. And so Paul is kind of reminding them, hey, sometimes you need to just shut your mouth, put your head down, and do your work. And stop messing around with each other. Because those are all distractions that keep us from living the life that God wants us to live. And the same is true for us. When we get bored and when we lose our focus, we start wandering into places where we shouldn't go either. We start messing around in people's business that we just honestly have no place in being there. Think about this. Think about when you were a kid and you went on a long road trip with your family. Like, my family never flew anywhere. We drove everywhere for every trip. And some of you did the same. So when you were a kid, you probably went on some pretty long road trips with your family. What would happen when you would get bored? Oh, yeah, you've got your brother sitting right next to you, and he's like instant entertainment if you can get him going, right? And we didn't have iPads and phones and all that kind of stuff to keep us busy. So about uh, a good 30 minutes into the trip, I was bored out of my mind. And I was looking for something to do. And so what would we do? We'd start poking them a little bit just to try to get a reaction out of them. We'd start copying them and mimicking them just to try to get them mad and all riled up. And then, this was the kicker, then we would take our stuff and we would ever so slightly push it just past the imaginary line that you drew on the seat that determined your side of the seat and their side of the seat, right? I mean, you just... It was, it was slight, it was subtle, but you did it. You pushed your stuff just so it crossed that line, just to make them flip out, right? Just to make them lose it. And why were you doing that? You're doing that because you were bored. You couldn't think of anything better to do with your time, and so you start messing around with other people's business. We do the same thing in our lives today. Sometimes when we get bored, when we have too much time on our hands, when we start wandering into areas we shouldn't be, we start poking at people that we shouldn't be poking at. We start poking into their business that we just don't have any business being there. We start mimicking them and copying them just to try to get them to react. We start pushing our stuff ever so slightly towards their stuff just to see if they'll respond. But what's the point of that? Where does that get us? It only gets us off bait. It only gets us off target. It only gets us off track from the things that really matter. The things that are really important. <clears throat> what does Paul say whenever, Paul, in verse 12, Paul says this. He says, whenever you do this well, whenever you are actually a person that kind of puts your head down, minds your own business, and does your work, what's going to happen? In verse 12, he says, he says, then people who are not believers will respect the way you live. 
Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live. Then people who don't follow Jesus are going to respect the way you live because they're watching you. They're watching what you do, and what you do matters. Now, here's the thing. I believe that we should be people, if we're followers of Jesus, we should be people that talk about our faith with our words, having conversations with the world around us about how important Jesus is and how Jesus has changed our life and how we believe that, that God has a, an amazing story to tell for each and every one of us. I believe we should say those things with our words. But here's the deal. If our actions don't line up with our words, people aren't going to hear it. We can speak all we want. We can say all we want, but sometimes those people that are listening might not hear what we're saying because we're also the same person that Facebook stalks our ex-girlfriend and then tells them about how ugly they've gotten and how much weight they've gained. And so they stop listening. They can't hear what you're saying because your actions don't line up with your words. Sometimes people aren't going to hear what we're saying because we're also the same person that goes around and tells secrets and lies behind other people's backs. And our actions don't line up with our words. Because what we do matters. And for some people, you might be, you and I might be the only contact they have with Christianity. You might be it. They don't read a Bible. They don't pray. They don't go to church. They're not surrounded by people who are followers of Christ. You might be it. And so for some people... They are looking at Christianity through the lens of you. Through the lens of you and me. And so what we do matters. If we want our words to make an impact, our actions have to line up. Because what we do matters. We can't get distracted. Paul, I think Paul was frustrated with the Thessalonians here because Paul understood there was too much work to be done. There, was too, there were too many good things that were happening that they could continue to grow and, and have an influence and have an impact on to get distracted with, doing, with messing around in other people's business. The same is true of us. There's too much to be done. There's too much to be done for us to get distracted, for us to lose our influence and our credibility and our, and our story and our testimony with other people because we mess around in other people's business. And so we have to be willing to ask ourselves, are, am I doing what I can to make sure my actions line up with my words? Because what we do matters. So Paul covers some pretty big topics in this one very short chapter. Whether it's self-control, whether it's possessing and controlling my own vessel, whether it's how I love other people well, and how I can love even more. Or whether it's what I do and making sure that what I do lines up with what I say because what I do matters. These are big ideas. And one of the things that I love about the letters that Paul writes is that they are so, it's so easy to apply them to our lives. Because think about it. Paul is writing to different groups of people who are trying to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus. And we're the same exact way. We're a group of people trying to figure out how it is that we can follow Jesus. And I love the lessons that Paul teaches us because we can take them and apply them to who we are and to our everyday lives as well. And that's my prayer for us this week, is that we would be people that wouldn't just kind of think about these things and have them be ideas in our heads, but they would become action steps that, actually live, that we actually live out with our lives.
Because if we are going to get ready to live our life for God, we need to be willing to examine and take an honest look at who we are and how we act and what we do. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray that God would help us to live out that kind of faith this week. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you love us in spite of our faults, in spite of our weaknesses. I thank you that you care about us um, even whenever we basically just spit in your face with some of the things that we do. God, your grace is amazing. Your compassion and love for us is amazing. We can never say thank you enough. God, you ask us to live for you. And God, there are a lot of things that can get in the way of that. There are a lot of things that can distract us from that. But God, at the end of the day, may we continually look back to you and what you want us to do with our lives. God, thank you that you can help us in these areas. Thank you that you've surrounded us with other people here in this room, people that we've built relationships with, people that we love and respect, and people that we can be open and honest with. God, thank you for that. May we not take that for granted. May we do all we can this week to live for you well. We thank you, we praise you, and we love you. In your name, amen.